Welcome to PTBC Podcast, where we will be speaking about innovation, technology, growing your business, and maximizing your entrepreneurial potential. Let's get down to business. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to the PTBC Podcast. This is Slava, and uh, I'm joined by my colleague, Justin. Uh, on this week's episode, we have the lovely Charlotte Anderson with us. She's the owner of Alpha Health Services and an owner of Physiologic Plus. These clinics specialize in multidisciplinary care, and they prioritize each patient's long-term health with an accent on health promotion and disease prevention. To get a full list of their services, visit www.alphahealthservices.ca. Charlotte is also on the CPA Private Practice Division team in the role of the educational lead. And she's defending her, uh, she's a PhD candidate at the University of Toronto. All right, it's time to get down to business. How are you doing today, Charlotte? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So the first question is, uh, can you tell us about your amazing journey through physiotherapy from your master's all the way until the point of starting your own clinic? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I did, I graduated from U of T in 2012. And at that point in time, I was lucky enough to land uh, a job from one of my placements. So we ended school on a Friday and I started working uh, on the Monday. And that job, it was in a private practice OHIP clinic before the OHIP rules changed. And uh, I'm grateful for that experience because I, I got to see a lot of different patients and I had a very, very excellent mentorship there. But after the year of practicing in that clinic, I realized that I wanted to go out on my own. And there are a number of reasons for that. Um, and I was at an age where I felt that I could do that and I didn't have a lot to lose. So after a year of working uh, for somebody else, I went out on my own and I opened Alpha Health Services. And to start, I was by myself. I was the only practitioner. I had a little tiny uh, office at Young and Eglinton. And uh, for the first six months, um, I was by myself. And then as the caseload and clientele began to grow, I quickly learned that I had to hire more people to get there. So that first year out of school was, was a big year for me in terms of, you know, learning skills, learning physiotherapy skills. But also I started to put balls in motion almost from the day I graduated to start the process of opening my own clinic because it, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a lot of time to think about it. Um, you have to do market analysis. You have to find a place to rent. You have to figure out, you know, uh, the budget, the money, the equipment. So I probably worked for about that first year getting my head around opening my own clinic while learning, learning the skills of being a, a new physio. So it was a year from graduation to opening, and then after that, it, again, steep learning curve to grow to, I guess we're five years out now, um, to owning you know, three different locations in Toronto, one note location up in Muskoka, um, having other fields working for me, and kind of growing a business from the ground roots uh, up. It uh, definitely sounds like an um, interesting journey, and you've done a lot of work and learned a lot of skills in that first year. We actually get a, a very common question as students is, uh, should you open up a clinic right away similar to what you, did, what you did, or should you work for someone for a couple of years to three years and then uh, open up the clinic? What's your take on this question? Um, very good question, and I don't think there's one answer. I think 
my answer will be different than a lot of people's. Um, and I acknowledge that there's pros and cons to both. So I was quick on moving on my own and opening my own practice. Um, and there are pros to that, but there are also cons to that. And I can acknowledge both sides of, of that. Um, from the cons where I still had a lot to learn as a physiotherapist and a lot to learn skill wise. So I really had to make sure that I had excellent, excellent mentors. Cause when you go out on your own, it can be a little bit lonely. You don't have that same, um, ability to bounce ideas off of, of more experienced therapists. So I had to make a cautious effort to continue to reach out to, uh, physios in the community, physios that are respected faculty members at U of T to make sure I continue to gain that mentorship to continue learning the skills as a physio. Um, the pros were that I, I didn't have a lot to lose. And what I mean by that is I'd worked for a year, but I was in a position in my life. I was young enough that I didn't, you know, have a mortgage. I didn't have kids. I didn't have things that meant I needed a stable, um, income at that point in time. So I was able to maybe risk a little bit more than I would have had I waited five to 10 years. Um, that being said, I also didn't have the, um, credibility in the community yet um, starting out. So I didn't have a caseload starting out. So I did have to start that on my own. Um, but at the same time, I was starting again on a, on a blank slate and could really practice to my value system, my priorities, and be a little creative in a healthcare system that is changing and try to be a leader um, with that change and a leader in, in the physio world to how rehab can really be the quarterback of healthcare teams. And that was my mandate going out on my own is to kind of change the way patients at my at my practice practice um and again it's not for everybody by any means but it was for me and it was at a time in my life where i felt that i was very passionate about it and i was willing to take the risk to do it so i'm not exactly answering your question but it really depends on the individual and it depends on what you're feeling you cannot go out on your own if you're not ready to eat sleep breathe sleep breathe eat again the your business uh when i started out i worked at 6 a.m sunday mornings i worked at 9 p.m sunday nights i would be there at any hour because you have to be when you're starting a business and that's not for everybody and i had to really work to build the business side and to learn the business side while also learning the clinical side but when it comes down to it i think owning a business and starting a business can be very very rewarding it can be very very challenging you have to make sure you want to do it and you've got to ask yourself the tough questions because it's not easy. And if you're not completely 110% invested in growing that business um, while adhering to strong ethical and moral and, and value systems, then you're not ready to go out on your own. So I think there's pros and cons to both. Yes, I went out early. Uh, yes, I do not regret it. But I can also see where there would be benefit for me to have worked a little bit longer in another clinic and then gone out on my own as well. Okay. So Charlotte, when you decided that you wanted to own a clinic, what were the top five things that you had to consider and could you elaborate them a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So when, and again, the process of opening a clinic was a little bit organic and I can, and I, to be perfectly honest with you, it wasn't broken down into you know, five things I had to think about, but upon reflecting on the process, I can break it down into kind of five main categories where you really have to think about and answer those tough questions before you go out on, on your own. And I think the first one you have to ask, and this one can sometimes be difficult, and I would really encourage anyone 
who is thinking about going out on their own to, to sit down and to really write this out and commit to it is what, why do you want to open a practice? Is it because you see it as a financial benefit? Is it because you want to practice in a way that other clinics aren't doing it? Is it because you have a new idea that you want to spread into the healthcare world? What is the core reason that you want to go out on, on your own and to start a business? And that has to be pretty firm. You need to have a mission statement. You need to have an objective. And, and I, I remember a mentor of mine told me that at the beginning and I found it very, very difficult. It took me a, a lot of time to come around the, the mission and the objective of my hypothetical, uh, hypothetical cl clinic. And at the time I hated the process because it really, um, it really made me commit to something, but in the long run, that mission statement and that objection, that objective statement is something that I come back to every single time I hire someone for the clinic and every single time I kind of have to step back and remind myself why I'm doing this. So I think that's the first starting point is to say, why am I doing this and what do I want to get out of this? Um, then you really have to think about kind of the logistics. And what I mean by that is how, how, how are you going to get this mission statement to fruition? And what I mean is, are you going in with a partner? Are you going in with your own? Are you going to have a niche clinic? Uh, do you need to go to the bank for loan? Um, do you have equipment? Are you starting out in your house? Are you starting out as a home business? How are you going to make this happen? What are the logistics that need to be put in place for the, your hypothetical clinic to become a thing? And again, you need to write it down. You need to ask questions. You need to seek out the answer. Um, because until you can kind of get your head around that stuff, th this clinic isn't going to be anything that is concrete it is still a hypothetical situation and then again i opened in in toronto and different areas are different obviously obviously um really have to think about where and geographically where you've got to do a market analysis there are a lot of private practice physios especially in toronto i i think we're going to rival starbucks there's one of us on every corner so you know when i went out on my own i i had to weigh the pros and cons of different areas in the city, um, density, affluence, um, up and coming, um, you know, kind of, uh, commuter towns, where are there, do you want to do like, um, sports physio? Therefore you need to be maybe located around some high schools. Like you need to do a market analysis of the area and then really pinpoint an area where you think you're again, going back mission statement where the clinic that you want to build is going to be, um, the most, uh, the most lucrative. And that you also have to take into mind rents. Rents in different area of the city vary, very, very greatly. Um, we're at Young and Eglinton, relatively high rent. On the flip side, there's a lot of people located at Young and Eglinton. So you do have to kind of um, look at the different places, do, do a market analysis, look at the real estate, look at the, the prices, look at the demographics, um, and then kind of you know, weigh out your pros and cons into different areas of the city. And then finally, and this is something that I think as physios, we might struggle with a little bit is you, you have to crunch the numbers. You have to be incredibly honest with yourself and sit down and look at the numbers and look at what you need to even. And, um, a lot of, a lot of people that I've seen that have struggled with small business startup is that they've gone too big too soon. And what I did, it was very simple. I said, okay, this is how much I need to bring in every week to break even on my rent, on my cleaning, on the depreciation of equipment, on our software system. How many patients do I need to see a break even? And when I did that and got the number, 
and I forget what it was now, but you know, 10 patients a week to break even. Okay. I can do that. But if you do those numbers and you say, Oh, I need to see 150 patients a week, that's not doable. So that's what you really, if you're thinking about going out on your own is to crunch the numbers, be really super honest with yourself because you'll thank yourself later and err on the side of conservative while taking the necessary risk you need to take to kind of launch your own thing. So I think the, the why, what, how, and where, and then adding in the numbers that you need to make this clinic, you know, not be in red, um, are really, really, really critical steps before you go out on your own. For sure. It sounds like, uh, you've really gone deep into, um, all the processes and all the preparation that it took to open up that first clinic. And it's really amazing to hear because we can see that you're coming from a place of uh, real knowledge and you've done your due diligence and research to make sure that uh, first clinic is successful. Let's say if I'm as a student thinking of opening up a clinic, did you create all of this whole booklet? Is it sitting at home right now for you with all of these uh, systems? Um, as in, do I have a manual that I'm going off of? Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, actually, that is all in my head, believe it or not. No, there is no manual. There is no right way. There is no wrong way to do this. And again, anyone who's looking to go out on their own, I, I would encourage you to talk to lots of different people. Um, and you can see from the previous um, clinic owners you've had on this podcast, everyone has a different way of doing it and everyone has done it. Um, so again, some of the stuff that I've spoken to has come from five years being in the business. Um, I did not know any of this when I started out. No one told me a list of, you know, do this, this, and this, check mark, check mark, check mark. I had to kind of figure it out on my own. Um, but that being said, I think figuring it, on, figuring it out on my own led me to really learn about it, led me to share with you and people who are listening and other students the mistakes I made so you can go out and make different mistakes. Um, I... There's a, there are books, there are courses, there are, you know, how to open a clinic 101 and, and they do shed light on, on, you know, some of the basics that you need to think about. But at the end of the day, everybody's journey to opening a small business, again, whether it's a physio clinic, whether it's a, you know, an app store, whether, whatever it is, it, it is an individual journey. And, you know, you kind of just got to jump into it um, and kind of figure out some of it as you go but you've got to ask the right questions. And I found the greatest support to me was other people that were in the field that have already kind of had done it, that I could sit down with and say, hey, I'm doing this, thoughts on this. And they were able to steer me in the right direction. The other thing I would really encourage is to speak to people that are your support in opening clinic that aren't physios. And what I mean by that is um, small business accountant, small business lawyer, the bank, um, real estate people to kind of understand the different areas that are, are involved in the business, not just the physio part of it. So yeah, I wish I could write a manual for everybody that was, you know, the checklist opening a, a clinic. I can share learnings, but no, I don't have a manual sitting in front of me that kind of, you know, step one, do this, step two, do that. And that's kind of the joy of, I think, opening a business and opening a small business and opening a clinic is it's kind of, you are, you, you control your own destiny. And I had, I did have a professor in um, physio school that is still very instrumental in my life. And I remember sitting down with him and he said, you know, you, you can do whatever you want in the field of physio. You just have to commit to it and do it. And what he meant by that is if you want to open a clinic for 
dogs with torn ACLs, like you can do that. Or if you want to open a sports clinic, uh, downtown Toronto, like you can do it. You just have to really commit and you have to want to do it. And that brings me back to what is the, what is the fuel for going out on your own? And I think if you, you need to make sure that is really clear in your head, um, before you, before you move forward with the other kind of steps along the way. Yeah, exactly. And, um, just as a follow-up question, you, I uh, really exude that passion for physiotherapy and the passion for owning your own business. And it seems like you have a really clear mission statement at this point. Are those some of the reasons why you decided to go and pursue opening up a clinic on your own versus getting a partner? Because so far, most of the podcasts that we've done have been involved with a partnership, but you are a great case of doing it on your own. Yeah. And you know what, that's a, that's a very good question. And I, I did go out on my own. Um, and that was something I did think about a lot. Um, again, back to our question of when's the right time to go out if you're out on your own, uh, I could argue pros and cons for having a partner and not having a partner. Um, at the time that I did it, because I was relatively new to the field, um, I was 25 years old when I went out on my own. And at that point in time, a lot of my peers weren't yet in a position or had their head around going out on their own. So there wasn't an obvious person that I would kind of partner up with. Um, it can be a lonely process when you go out on your own, um, especially if you don't have a partner. But at the same time, you, you are in control of all of it. The good, the bad, the making money, not making money. and yeah, I, I don't think I don't think I cautiously went in not wanting a partner. I just think the situation was such that I was ready to go. I was ready to move. I had done a lot of the thinking, and there wasn't really anyone else at that time who was logical to uh, do that with. The second clinic that I'm in the process of opening now, I have gone in with a partner on that one. Um, that one is a little bit different business model, um, and it's starting out at a larger level where we're bringing in a more multidisciplinary team of experts. Um, and that one required a partner because I will run the orthopedic side, she will run the neurological side. So it made sense for us to partner on that. And you know what, you know, with a partner, um, it's very, very different this time. And um, it's a different, I have to have a different mindset. Um, you know, you're working as a team. Um, and again, there's pros and cons to both. So. I don't know if I'm answering your question exactly, but I, I don't think going out, I, I necessarily was like, I do not want a partner. I think just the timing of everything, um, especially being early on in my career, just lent itself for me to go uh, forward on my own. Um, but I think, again, it's kind of to, to the person and what they want and what their end goal is to decide whether or not you do want a partner. I will say that if you go in with a partner, You've got to go in with someone that uh, you trust, someone that you can be very honest with, and someone that you're going to be okay on days that you're going to hate them, but at the same time, you love them. Um, so it's like you can always live with your best friend. The same thing with a business partner. So I'd encourage anyone going in with a partner to really ask the tough questions because it is a relationship. It is a commitment. There are tough times. There are great times, and you're going to share it with that person, but you've got to make sure that 
you're on the same page. So honesty is, and communication is an, is an integral part of any partnership in any business. Um, and that's what I'm learning. And I'm very lucky with the partner I have on the new one. Um, that That is something that we both recognize and we both kind of adhere to. Uh, but I do have friends that have gone in with partners that just haven't worked out. Because again, same thing. You can't live with your best friend. Not always A best friend doesn't always make the biz, best business partner. So it's just something to be very, very aware of. No, for sure. So you mentioned that you're in the process right now of opening up your second clinic. What's kind of things that you uh, that you considered kind of led you to believe that this was the right time to kind of open up that second clinic? And how were you able to balance this while pursuing your or completing your PhD? Um, yeah. yeah, good question. Um, the timing for this second clinic, again, it's a bit of a different business model. An opportunity presented itself. Um, and I knew I'd be a fool not to follow up on it. So the timing was right and the timing worked. And it was, again, one of those things that sometimes you just got to jump into it. So that's how this um, second business kind of manifested itself. In terms of completing a PhD while owning and practicing, what I will say is the reason for doing my PhD is it's really fueled my clinical practice. And it's added to what I think is the scope of physiotherapy. And it's added to um, where, I, where I have seen gaps in our profession while owning and practicing. So the PhD for me is a clinical, it's clinical in that it's kind of continuing to grow our profession and it's gaps that I see in my clinical practice. I will say it is hard to do a PhD full-time and work full-time. And I am very grateful that I have all these, you know, different challenges in my life, but it, it's not easy and it can be a very lonely process because not a lot of people who are doing a PhD are also practicing or owning a business and vice versa. Um, I love doing the PhD. I'm learning a lot. It's a different challenge. It's a new challenge and it's, I think, going to add to, you know, my clinical work, um, but it is hard and you have to be aware that, you know, I work a full day, I get home and I have to do a full day of PhD work at night. My weekends are dedicated to PhD stuff. I'm in the lab when I can. Um, I'm in the lab late at night and, and I want to do it, but it's not for everybody. And um, there are days where I, I'm not really sure what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, but there are, you know, I, I see where this work could lead and I see how it can really enhance the clinical work of physiotherapists. And that that's something that really excites me. So again, I want to do it. It's not for everybody. But again, before I even started my PhD, I sat back and said, what is my end goal of, of doing this PhD? And I wrote it down and I often go back to that and remind myself of that when I'm, you know, knee deep in research articles and papers all over my living room floor um, while I'm trying to call back patients and deal with something and equipment that's broken down at the clinic. So it's all exciting. It's all great. Um, I have the energy to do it right now, but you've really got to make sure you want to do it or you're, um, you're diving into something that it might be hard to keep your head above water. Yeah, it's fantastic uh, that you've been able to put these two life goals and make sure that they're on a consistent path, the PhD fueling your clinical practice, as well as owning a clinic fueling your passion for the profession. Just bring back to starting your own clinic. Two questions surface. One is, how were you able to obtain the capital in order to start your clinic so soon after graduating? And the follow-up question is, how did you exactly go about choosing the location of your clinic the first one and then as a follow-up from the second one yeah so again I always um 
Whenever I meet with um, budding business owners, when the the conversation of capital and and how do you finance it comes up, um, I always am, am quick to say that everyone's situation is different. So um, when I say that the first year of practice, I was thinking about opening my own practice. It's probably my first year of physio school. I thought about opening my own practice. So I did, I had saved money and I'd saved enough money for my first clinic to open it out without having to take opening it up without having to take a loan or financing or anything from the bank or any private company. Um, that's where I go back to that discussion about crunching the numbers is that I, I did start off small. I absolutely started off small because I was not willing to take the risk, nor was I at a point in my life where I really probably would have been um, uh, approved for a loan to take out the money before I really knew what was going on. So I'd saved enough money to, to put down the capital of um, the equipment uh, the first couple months of rent. And that's where the numbers came in about how many patients do I need a week to cover my rent and et cetera, et cetera, which made it much more attainable for me and, and less stressful in a sense. Cause again, I can't remember the exact numbers, but I think it was 10 clients a week to cover my rent and my software program. And I said, okay, I can do that. And for the first couple months, that's all I did. Um, but I had thought about this and had saved appropriately that I was able to do that. And then I was very lucky because I started making money about three months in that then started to cover itself. So it's different for everyone. Um, and I would encourage people, you know, banks do have, you know, start up small business programs to get loans. I wasn't fully aware of all that because I didn't have to look into it at the time. But now that I have trying to coach other people in opening their own clinics. Um, there are options that exist that even if you haven't saved the money, um, there's still, you can um, receive a loan without, you know, huge interest payments that can give you that, that starting point. I would just caution anyone, again, keep the numbers right on hand because you don't want to be in a point, in a, you don't want to be in a situation where you've dug yourself so deep with financing and loans that you're constantly trying to, to climb out. So just to be aware of that. Um, in terms of location, uh, I struggled with this. And you know what? I, I, again, upon further reflection, there's probably other areas in the city that maybe would have been more lucrative, maybe wouldn't have. We did open at Young and Eglinton. A couple of reasons for that. Um, the first clinic I worked at was in the Young and Eglinton area. So I was familiar with kind of the demographic and what was going on there. Um, I did live in that area. So I wanted to work close to where I live for um, commuting purposes and networking purposes. Um, and when you do um, a market analysis of the Young and Eglinton area, there is a growing population. There's a growing population of young professionals who a lot of them work in companies with healthcare benefits um, and the socioeconomic, you know, kind of population and, and um, you know, consistency of area is that of people that um, can afford and also have the education to understand the value of physio. Furthermore, lots of healthcare professionals, um, not too far from hospitals. So there is that referral basis as well. So again, I could probably argue many different areas of the city that that would make sense for opening a clinic. Um, I chose Young and Eglinton for kind of those reasons. The clinic that is um, in the process of being opening is, is more downtown. And again, that was a very different market analysis that I did with, with that. But the location of where we're opening that led to kind of the reason why we, why we are opening there. Very different reason than Young and Eglinton. So 
I think as long as you're honest with yourself and do kind of the due diligence to see what is out there and make an argument for why it works and you stick to it, um, I think there's many areas in the city that would be very, very conducive to a clinic. Um, but again, it goes back to why are you doing this? What do you want to do and how are you going to do this? You know, if you want to work with the senior population, probably opening up in, you know, Liberty Village is not going to be the best place because if you look at the demographic of, you know, the over 65 crowd in Liberty Village, not a whole lot. So again, going back to that mission statement, who is the population you want to serve and where is best um, to success in that, in that area. For sure. For sure. So Charlotte, you mentioned that um, you started small, but now you have a full team of just a full team working at your clinic. How are you able to scale your location? And did you have to eventually rent out space next to your clinic or how did that kind of happen? Yeah, good question. So for the first two years, I was in the original spot. I think I told you it was just a two room, small, I think, I don't know how much it was, maybe 800 square feet. Um, I was there for two years. I was lucky. I negotiated a two year lease with that place, which is not normal. Um, but I was there for two years. At that point, we were busting at the seams. So I actually moved um, just around the corner to a different building to a much larger space where I, you know, we had to do the construction and stuff that lent itself to growing the practice more. Um, I read a lot about kind of moving locations. And even if you kind of move just next door, um, I think the percentage is you lose 30% of your clientele. So I was apprehended to do this. At the same time, I was still in the area, literally a two-minute walk from the building we started out at, and I didn't notice any any change. So we did. I moved two years in. Um, I can't predict the future, but I think we will be at this spot for a while. Moving is not easy. <laughs> especially because you don't want to disrupt patient care, right? So you really have to do it overnight so everything can keep moving. And um, But the lease, again, most leases in Toronto, you sign for a minimum of five years. So it's a commitment. You've got to be aware of it. The new space that I've grown into has um, had more potential to continue to grow than my first space. So the timing uh, worked out worked out well. Um, but again, it, it was really a timing thing, to be perfectly honest with you. And about a year in at my first space, I started to look to where I could go in the area because it, it's not it's not easy to find small business space. Um, and it took me about a year of looking at a lot of different buildings before I signed on the space that we're currently in. Um, and I signed a five-year lease for that. Perfect. So just listening to you talk, it's been uh, amazing to hear that you've just faced a lot of challenges. You've been able to overcome them. You're on, well on your way to... Uh, a good amount of success uh, with your clinics. But if you had to look back and single out the biggest challenge that you faced at the beginning of your uh, clinic ownership journey, what would it be and how did you solve it? Um, okay, I faced a lot of challenges. The biggest, <laughs> the biggest challenge I probably faced, um, and it's still a challenge, I guess. I mean... Probably the biggest challenge was when I started to hire other people to work with me. Um, I wanted to hire people that um, really bought into kind of the way the the value system of, of the clinic and, and people that I respected and people that really led to a cohesive team. I have a really, we have a really, really good team. And every single person that I work with, I feel very, very fortunate a lot from every single one of them um but being younger um 
to hire people to work for me was sometimes difficult because I tend to be younger than most of the people that work at the clinic. Um, and that shouldn't matter, but sometimes there is um, a, an interesting vibe because of that. So the people management and the hiring the right people to, to contribute to the clinic and the vibe of the clinic and that team dynamic, which is very, very, very important to me, um, is was probably the biggest challenge and continues to be the biggest challenge. Um, there are lots of challenges that I, that I, I faced and I think most, a lot of these challenges are, um, would a lot of small business owners would be able to relate to, but I think growing a team that you're, that really, you know, is a cohesive, um, positive, um, and hardworking environment that contributes to that was probably the biggest challenge and an ongoing challenge, to be honest with you. Um, but you know, you live and you learn and, and not everyone was the right fit and for them, for us or for whatever else and you, and you move forward with that. Um, but it's something to be very aware of. And, uh, what are some of the ways that you try to really screen out the right type of people? Are you looking for the same kind of values for the same work ethic from these individuals? And, um, do you look, or any specific qualities that really uh, fit with your mission statement? Um, so we, we do take a lot of students and that can often lead to um, hiring a dynamic. Furthermore, when people seek out interest in, in working at Alpha, you know, during the interview process, it's, it's very straightforward, it's very upfront, it's very honest about kind of this is our value system, this is how we work, this is the expectation. Um, and you know what, no hard feelings if that's not the right fit for somebody. Um, let's just be honest about it and, and both go our own, our own way. So I think that honesty and that transparency is, um, is incredibly, incredibly important. And it's kind of worked for us in, in making sure that we get a, a group of people that um, create that, you know, the, the, the energy and the enthusiasm that um, we are, we are trying to get across at, at the, uh, at the clinic. So it takes time. It is a process, but I think the honesty, transparency, um, and being very upfront about what, what the clinic's all about and what the expectations are goes a long, long way in getting that right group of people that, um, contribute to the success of the clinic. Sure. Um, so Charlotte, we've come to a segment in our podcast where we talk about habits. Um, can you elaborate on some habits that allow you to be successful at what you're doing now, especially when you started your clinic and, you know, to continue towards pursuing your PhD and opening up a second clinic as well? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. And it's something that I contribute, uh, I continue to, to work on and look at is those habits. And I've, you know, listened to a lot of different, you know, podcasts and, and read books and articles about, you know, the habits of someone who's successful. And, um, I would be lying if I told you that I exhibited a lot of those habits because I, I don't. Um, but I think what I, I mean, if I'm reflecting on the past five years and um, I, I think there's still a lot of room to grow and, and learn some of the habits that I, I think almost subconsciously I adhere to is that, you know, asking questions and asking a lot of questions of a lot of different people and getting those answers and kind of formulating those answers into a bit of a pattern in your brain to make the best 
choice for you. Um, and I think asking questions has really allowed me to think differently, has opened up different doors, and has given me answers to other questions that haven't been explicitly asked. So I think a, a habit of someone who is growing a business would be to ask lots and lots of questions and then to really listen to the answers and make that best decision for you and your overall vision. Um, I didn't do this very well at the beginning, and I know everyone speaks to it, but it's a lot easier said than done. And, and a habit of of taking time to step back, taking time for yourself, taking back to kind of recalibrate a little bit um, to make sure that you are moving in the direction that you want to move in. And again, um, I don't always walk the talk, but I'm trying, I'm being very aware of it and trying harder because there was a point in time about three years ago that um, I was, I was burning out and I didn't really enjoy what I was doing. Um, and I felt that I'd totally taken a wrong path. Um, I hated it. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was, you know, health wise and everything else. And it's because I was just too, too, too focused on what I perceived to be the end goal. And again, it's a very fine line. You, you have got to put the hours in and, and owning a business isn't, you know, you don't end at five and close the door and don't think about it. You are thinking about it. You're working late at night. You're answering emails. You got to go in on, on a Sunday because something's broken down or, um, so you've got to really want to do it, but you also have to step back sometimes and kind of recalibrate where you're at, um, and kind of make maybe tough choices to make sure you're, you're continuing to go in the right direction. So that's a habit I, I don't always do very well, but it's something I'm trying to be better at. Um, and the other thing, and, and this is something I'm, I'm working on a bit too, is that you will get to a point where you can't do it all by yourself and you've got to really lean on a support team um, or other people that you can delegate some tasks to, um, to make sure the stuff gets done without it totally consuming you and taking every single hour of the day. So asking for help, asking for advice, asking for the way someone else does it and seeing if you can adopt that way to, to work for your clinic um, is not, it's not weakness. It actually shows, um, a lot of strength and a lot of leadership. And that is something I continue to work on um, and something I need to be better at. So I think, I don't know, I, I don't, habit wise, I don't know if I'm the best person to learn from, but I think I'm, I'm starting to learn more habits and starting to prioritize the habits that I, I know that I need for me, that my clinic needs and that I need as a physiotherapist. Because at the end of the day, I'm a physiotherapist and I treat my clients and I care about my clients and I want to get them better. And how can I best do that? I can't do that if I'm running on three hours of sleep. I can't do that if I, you know, haven't taken time to go work out to burn off steam. And, and I think sometimes I need to recalibrate, check back in and make sure I put those, those things in my schedule. Otherwise, um, it's not sustainable. And I did learn that the hard way. And I was told that for, for many, many years from people that have been instrumental in my life and, and real mentors to me, but I had to learn it um, on my own. And now I look back at all those people that said it to me and um, yeah, they were right. <laughs> um, but it's, a, it's something you have to learn by yourself. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you've shown that you do have the ability to adapt and, uh, uh, you've been able to adapt to burning out and been able to juggle a couple of things at the same time, like PhD and uh, owning clinics, which is a massive feat. I'm sure as a clinic owner, you have to adapt to a lot of things like the changing forces in the field as well. Because currently, uh, most of the patients are, instead of going into the clinic, I guess, 
most of them are booking online. And from hearing some of your previous talk, you did mention that for your clinics, the majority of bookings are done online. So I was wondering, what's the strategy uh, for marketing in this situation for you? Yeah, and I think um, uh, current grads, new grads, future grads um, need to be more aware of this than even I was. So part of my kind of promise to myself and and the fields and my patients when I went out on my own is I felt a responsibility to really make an effort to get with the time, so to speak. So going out on my own, I knew I had to invest in technology, invest in software, invest in the necessary computer programs and computers and, and systems and infrastructure to, to kind of start, uh, start from the right place in terms of a, a very changing healthcare system in a very changing world that really functions around technology. So that was something that um, I made a real effort to do. I am in no ways a computer savvy person. Um, I am a child of the late 80s. So I did grow up using computers and being, you know, efficient with computers, but I'm not a programmer or a coder or a computer, computer engineer. So I've had to work very hard at learning kind of, you know, web marketing, um, SEO optimization, all that sort of thing. Um, and it hasn't been easy, but it was a, a promise I made to myself and a real commitment I made when I did go out on my own. So we try to be as paperless as possible. Obviously, we still have paper, but a lot of um, most of our stuff's online the booking, the scheduling, the charting. And with that comes, you know, privacy issues, legal issues, communication issues. You know, you can't communicate with every client over email if they don't consent to it. And there's a lot of learning in terms of that in that um, realm and a lot of stuff that I'm, I'm very grateful to have learned and a lot of stuff that I'm continuing to learn because the world of technology is moving at a very quick pace. Um, to go back to your, to your question that was regarding online marketing and online booking, um, if, you look, if you look at the research done on, on referrals and how people get to um, a service provider, the number one way people do is by word of mouth. So it's not actually online. It's by asking a friend or a colleague or, you know, someone on the street um, that, uh, you know, how do you, where, where, where do you go for physio or, or whatever else? So that's the number one way that people get to a service provider. The number two way is over the internet. And there's a lot of different ways that you can, you know, build your reputation over the internet. And really it takes time. You can't do it. You can't, pay a whole bunch of money and get to the top of Google right off the bat. It takes time, it takes effort, it takes commitment, it takes consistency. So that's something that we've tried to be a little bit more on top of. Um, and then in terms of our online booking, we have a great, great, great system. It's Canadian based actually. Um, and it's a software system that's web based that um, very straightforward to use. So patients can go on and see their physio schedule and plop themselves in right on an app on their phone. Um, and it, it takes out that middleman. It allows people to do it, you know, on the subway, on the bus, sitting in a meeting, whatever. Um, and it leads to a lot, a lot of ease for the generation that prefers to do it like that. I will say that there is a generation that does not prefer to do it like that. And you would be, um, I think I would be, uh, missing a huge chunk of the population if I didn't also have, um, you know, a phone system that you can ca call and talk to somebody because people still want that as well. So we try to kind of offer both, both options for patients. And to be honest with you, both options are utilized. I would say, I don't even know if I can say, 
I would say it's almost 50, 50, to be honest with you in terms of online booking and, and calling and, and talking. I will say though, that once we get people in and once they're patients, they do prefer the ease of the online because again, they just open their app, put their, put their uh, name in, book their appointment. If they need to change it, they can do that. Um, and it's a lot easier for them and it's easier for us too. So that, um, but it's all done through a software system that we buy into um, that is Canadian based. It took me, it took me two years to find it. I was using a different system before, um, but it's really changed the efficiency um, and the effectiveness of patient booking. So um, it's been great. So Charlotte, you alluded to uh, several books and podcasts that you've used and read to help you learn more about business. Um, is there any particular book that you could, that you would recommend for someone wanting to learn more about business and improving their business acumen? Yeah. So when I first started, um, I spoke to a physiotherapy clinic owner as someone just had a meeting with and bounced ideas off of her. And she recommended the book, The E-Myth. Um, and I read it. I will not I would be lying to you to say that I enjoyed the read. I found it a very difficult read and I kind of pushed myself to get through it. And at the time I was so hard, like I was so badly trying to find um, things that like tangible uh, quotes or, or lessons in that book that, that would really help me open the business. At the time I didn't get that. And I, I was feeling a bit, I, I felt a bit discouraged by it, but as I started to go through the process of opening and even still today, I come back to that book and things that I read that at the time I didn't appreciate how much they um, they kind of helped guide me. So it's a book that I would recommend for actually any business owner, not just not just someone opening a physiotherapy clinic. Um, but I would caution people because I went in reading it thinking that it would give me all my answers, um, which probably was a bit naive. But again going back to what we talked about earlier in this podcast, you know, is there a manual? I think I thought that this book was the manual. And I think that's why I was a bit disappointed when it wasn't actually a manual, but instead it was something to kind of get those business part of my brain moving a bit because I was a physiotherapist. I was not a business person. Um, I didn't have an MBA. I didn't have a background in that. Um, so there are often times where I think, oh, I can't, I can't own a business. I'm a physio. Like that's not what I'm supposed to do. But this book allowed me to think a bit differently um, and to think of, you know, skills that are transferable into the business world. And then it continues to be a book that I think I've reread it maybe twice since in the last five years. Um, and it continues to be a book that gives some guidance, gives different ways of thinking and can kind of, you know, re you kind of allows you to recheck in with that business side. So that would be the book that I would recommend. Um, and one that I would caution people that it's not all the answers by any means, but it's a starting point and it's a book that you will uh, go back to again. That was probably the most helpful piece of literature that I, that I read. And then beyond that, it was a lot of conversations with a lot of different people that then helped me form kind of, the idea in my head and, and I kept, I kind of took it and ran with it, so to speak. Well, that's funny that you bring it up. Actually on our first podcast, uh, we had Matthew Lang from Foundation Physio and he also recommended that the book E-Myth and it, he said it really helped him kind of learn about, more about the business and kind of grow his business skills. But we were just wondering, is there any, um, another second book that you would recommend for people that just want to learn more about the business and um, good question. Um, I would say more than 
a book I got more out of. There's a bunch of, um, uh, I'm trying to remember all the names off the top of my head, but there's different bloggers that speak to entrepreneurship and um, kind of, you know, going out on your own and, and starting a business. And I think at the time of starting, starting a business and practicing full time, I didn't always feel I had the time to completely um, indulge or dive into a book. And sometimes the, you know, shorter blog posts and even some of the blog posts um, through the CPA private practice division um, are a little bit shorter and sweeter, but they're a little bit punchier that can then kind of get your, your brain thinking in a different way and then allow you to seek out more of that area if, if you should choose to do that. Yeah, the blogs definitely offer a more condensed way of uh, looking at the information and uh, we use them um, a good amount as well. So Charlotte, it's been a fantastic podcast and we really enjoy uh, hearing you speak and you're definitely very knowledgeable on, on all these topics from your experience as well from all the things that you've read. Um, if you had to sum it up uh, in terms of the one thing you would recommend to a person who's looking to open up their own clinic after graduation, uh, what would that number one recommendation be? Um, I guess my number one for someone who is thinking about starting a business and, and going out on their own, I think my, my first response would be do it um, and do it while you have that passion and that excitement and believe in yourself that you, you can do it. But then I would have the caveat of challenge yourself to really sit down and ask those tough questions of why, why am I doing this? What is my end goal? And then to really get invested in the numbers to, to make it, um, to make it doable for yourself and to make it, um, a process that can last and ask questions, reach out to your support network, reach out to people who have done it, to your CIs, to your peers, um, ask so many questions, but at the end of the day, it's up to you. And if you really want to do it, you absolutely can do it. And uh, it's a pretty neat process. It's a very different challenge than the clinical practice side of things. Um, I feel very fortunate to be able to do it. I've learned a lot. It is absolutely not for everybody and that's okay too. But if you think it is for you and you're excited about it, you know, you got a, a colleague of mine said, you got to take your foot off first base to make a home run. And that kind of is something that I, I think about a lot. It's about risk, it's about calculated risk, but if you don't take the risk, you're never gonna see the reward. So um, I would encourage anyone who's interested to do it, and again, reach out to those of us who have done it because we're happy to share the mistakes, the successes, the lessons learned, so that you can make new mistakes and have new successes. Um, and that would kind of be my, my, uh, my thoughts towards someone who might have a interest in going out and opening their own business. Charlotte, it was great having you on this podcast today. You gave us so much valuable information in terms of starting your business, you know, having a business plan in place, finances. Um, just for our viewers, um, do you mind sharing with us where we can find you on social media, whether that be on Instagram, Facebook, or? Yeah. So we're, the clinic is at, um, the, the handle is at Alpha Health Services, and that's what we use on um, Instagram and on Facebook. And the other clinic is at Physiologic Plus, and that's the same thing, Instagram um, and Facebook. And also all that is connected to our website, www.alphahealthservices.ca. Charlotte, that was a fantastic podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time and um, thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for including me and good luck with uh, future podcasts. I think it's great what you guys are doing. Thank you everyone for tuning in to the PTBC podcast. 
Hope you enjoyed the episode today. Please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, ptbusinesscorner.com. Feel free to send us a message on social media or email us at info at ptbusinesscorner.com. See you next time.